you know, this is important to know that I've been painting professionally now for 20 years, but I've been teaching art for 20 years as well. So I wear those two hats equally. Almost one job is just as important as the other. And, you know, I love sharing my passion with my students. I'm a passionate art teacher. And then I practice what I'm preaching. So I think I'm a better painter because I'm teaching and vice versa. That's sort of how I've always lived. Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we speak with a range of art world players. That's Sarah McDonald and she's the very first South Australian artist I've interviewed. Sarah has been in the Australian art scene for over two decades and like she says, her painting and teaching are separate aspects to her life that nurture each other beautifully. Sarah's done the New York exhibition thing, she's won awards and has built a thriving art school with both an online and in-person contingent. However, there's one thing that seems to be missing for Sarah and it's placing as a finalist in a major East Coast prize. On today's episode of Interview with an Artist, we do a bit of a deep dive on prizes. We go into why we love them, why we think there's a lack of representation of South Australian artists in the major East and West Coast prize listings, and why year after year Sarah enters the win, hopeful that maybe this time things will be different. We also talk about how Sarah navigates her busy life of running the art school, working on her own practice, and being present to her family. And last, but by no means least, why the groundsman at her high school will always have a special place in her heart. Now, I don't know about you, but for some reason when someone says high school groundsman, my mind conjures up this kind of creepy image, maybe a bit like groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. However, Sarah assures me her groundsman was lovely. There's no creep in it. For beautiful Australian landscapes and stunning florals, head on over to Instagram and follow Sarah McDonald Artist. Enjoy meeting the delightful Sarah McDonald. Well, we're here. We are here. Thank you so much for joining me on Interview with an Artist. I was writing my notes this morning about what I want to talk to you, and it's wide-ranging because I would say you are absolutely, by Ashley Longshore's definition, an entrepreneur. Oh, Oh, that's very nice. I listened to the podcast with her this morning. Yeah. Oh, my God. She is amazing. And I related to a lot of her energy and drive because I feel like, yeah, I'm sort of – there were a lot of parallels to the way we we live our life and business, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's um it's something I'm all, I'm always in awe of artists. That's a that's that's always. But then artists who then incorporate a business element to their practice, that just blows my mind even more. And we'll get into we'll get into that a little bit later, mm-hmm. but I want to start with you're based in the foothills outside Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the Adelaide art scene. Well, look, I must say I'm I'm so proud of um, South Australia and the Adelaide art scene. I think it's a really healthy, um, big art scene actually here. We've got so many wonderful artists and not just visual artists but musicians and um, performing artists that have come out of this state. Um, Sala is something I wanted to mention because that is, stands for South Australian Living Artists Week and Ooh, every, cool. every August we celebrate 
living artists in South Australia. And I'm not sure how many people know about that outside of our state, but it is such a wonderful celebration of the talent that's coming out of of Adelaide and wider um, South Australia. In fact, there are exhibitions that run all over the state that week and it is one of the most attended sort of um, art festivals that, that happens. And some some statistics, like there are more living artists making and producing artwork in this state than, than anywhere else in the country. I, I don't know the exact statistics, but it's something I'm really proud of. Yeah, and that's amazing. Yeah, and look, it's been running for a really long time and it's it become bigger over the years. And it, it basically allows um, a lot of artists, whether they're working as professional artists or they're, they're learning or they're really just dabbling at home, it allows them all to have a platform to show their work and be brave enough to get out, I suppose, you know, on the wall in, in the public and show their work because that takes courage, as we all know. And it, it is, a, is a wonderful festival. I encourage a lot of my students and artists that I mentor to you know, register for it because there are venues like cafes, restaurants, hairdressers and galleries, but it's a really accessible festival. Um, oh, that's and, yeah, awesome. It is, it is, I love, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I love the idea of walking into your hairdresser or, yeah. you know, just those places that obviously there's wall space. Um, yeah. And seeing amazing emerging artwork and, and then also established artists and that's career right. artists. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's August in South Australia. That's, that happens in August and, okay. and there's a big launch of that event and there's a prize associated with it and it's really celebrated and um, well attended. A big guide comes, you know, a big thick guide comes out and it is amazing. Like you literally... I can't attend even, you know, a quarter of them. I want to go and see everything, but it's it's pretty saturated with with art that week. So that's that's something that's huge. And look, we we've got some wonderful um, South Australian painters that have, you know, historically come out of our state, and currently we have some wonderful South Australian painters. And I yeah, I suppose that that is something that I'm I'm passionate about is you know sharing the fact that there is a lot of talent coming out of the state and maybe a little bit unseen or underrepresented in other states of the country absolutely and it's not that so you're my first south australian artist on the show yeah, which is awesome I'm so excited about that. <laughs> I really and, am. And I have to be honest, it's not that I it, – it's just a total oversight. Um, and it's – you know, I've interviewed some West Coast and I've interviewed East Coast, but then looking to South Australia and the Northern Territory, I just haven't done it. And yeah. not for the reason that I think there's no one – there um mm -hmm. but yeah I think just a total oversight and you've been painting for 20 years now so you, you have <laughs> you have time. seen <laughs> yeah mm. you have seen the evolution of the space over a couple of decades yeah um well I I have and I look um now I suppose I'm quite well known in my own state and I've I have been doing it a long time I've got a lovely following here I exhibit in South Australia regularly and and do really well um, and I've got a lovely artist community of, of other friend artists that, and we talk about this a bit. And um, and it's it's not yeah it's not without talent. I, I think maybe it's because um, you know some of the if you sort of talk about the big top ten galleries in the country, a lot of them are 
and Sydney and Melbourne. And, you know, then the, the art prizes, which is a whole other conversation. Um, and yes. I have a love, a love hate relationship <laughs> with art prizes. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about that. Okay. So now, firstly, what are the major art prizes down South Australia, Adelaide way? Okay, well, we've got the Waterhouse Prize that you might have heard of, which which is a really big prize here. The Fleury Biennale is one of the biggest landscape prizes in the country, and we host it here in South Australia down at McLaren Vale, down the Fleury Peninsula, which is just beautiful. Um, I was the ambassador for that prize um, when it's a, it's a biannual. So two years ago, well, it was meant to happen last year, when I was the ambassador, but it got cancelled, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> um, but I'm still, I'm still talking about it and getting it out there and, and encouraging um, artists to enter. And it's not just South Australians. We have artists from all over the country that enter all of these prizes. Um, the Ramsey Art Prize is a fabulous prize for, I, I'm a bit old. I can't enter that one anymore because I'm over 40, um, sadly. But um, that's for uh, artists under the age of 40 and it's a, it's a fantastic prize held here. Um, and another one that I enter regularly as a landscape painter, um, the Heisen Prize. You know, good old Hans Heisen is one we can claim as our own and there's a wonderful landscape prize put on um, by the Handel Academy and that is um, a really well well attended and well entered prize that we host, but all open to national artists. National so, artists, you know, so from everywhere they they enter. Yeah, and then what's your experience then with some of the ma- other major art prizes? Because I know we've spoken about this previously, and yeah. that they feel a little East Coast and West Coast centric. Look, they do, and I don't want to be poor me by any means. It's just no, a real no, observation no. Yeah. That, that I've made, and, and I'm and I'm not alone. I've I've had good chats with my my mates, my artist mates, um, about this, and um, I enter in the win every year. The you know that again, that's sort of like wow to be a finalist in the win as a landscape painter. For some reason, I've put it right up on a pedestal, and I'm just you know love to get there that's a goal one day and I get rejected every year (laughs) and and my painting gets sent back and you know it's not cheap to um freight my work back and forward each year and all of that yeah but you know what I'm just I I don't know I keep going I I speak to artists who well a friend of mine um Sarah Hannaford is a really beautiful well, very successful um, South Australian painter and she's a friend of mine and we, we've chatted recently. Her father is Robert Hannaford. Now he entered the Archibald I think 10 times before he became a finalist. He then had a break. Well, actually he, he entered, he was accepted as a finalist and now I think he's been a finalist for 26 years, oh never my. won the show. He's one of the most exquisite portrait painters and um his daughter Sering is also a brilliant portrait artist and she has been a finalist for six years in a row and we all celebrate her because she's pretty much the only South Australian that, that is in that list and we're like come on and and then the win prize I look at the finalist list every year when I get my rejection letter and I go in and see who's made it and Honestly, I could maybe count one or two essay artists on that list. And I just think, what what is that? And I've talked to my friends about it and I think, look, maybe the judges might be from Sydney or Melbourne. And so it's really what's under their nose. It's mm. it's what it's it's who they know or, or you know, 
what they're seeing in the galleries in Sydney that we're just maybe it's just the unknown um yeah. and it's the territory I, I, I don't know yeah but we, wonder we're just if... gonna keep going yeah <laughs> keep, keep going. going now yeah. on, two points on what you've just said there interestingly yeah, yeah I feel the art world is very relational, right? It's very mm. relationship driven. And so yes. I wonder if, like you said, the judges each year, they're more, you know, well, the Archibald Wynn Sulman, they're generally mm-hmm. East Coast based judges. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then some of the, the Lester, which is a big portrait, um, West Coast portrait prize. Mm-hmm. Um, West Coast based judges. And yes, I wonder if it is that kind of, like you've said, they're recognizing the names and the works from mm. their other networks in the art world. And so therefore it just sticks. Then like yeah. the seeing that person's work just sticks a little more than seeing someone who they don't they've never seen the name before, they've never come across them. Um mm-hmm. and then the second thing is I find it really interesting that you have the win up on a pedestal. Mm. because I look at you and I think you are insanely accomplished and insanely successful. And oh, Willie, it's no, very it's, kind. No, but it's, it's interesting. We all have these definitions of what we want to achieve yeah. or success that we want I to know. achieve. And I don't and, know why. <laughs> I know, right? Like, so basically you want some people who you don't really even know even to look know. at your painting. And, to and say, who says that they, yeah. you know, why, why do they why do they get to say whether it's good or not? I, I mean, know. seriously. And look, why I, am I allowing that? Yeah. And look, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I feel there is absolutely prizes are, are great in that they allow you to be compared among your peers at a certain level because the industry is so not unregulated, but it, you know, mm. it's so, there's so many people out there to, so to try and get a benchmark of where you sit in the Australian landscape, pardon mm. the pun, sorry, yeah, um, yeah, of yeah. painters yeah. <laughs> that, you know, a prize can help that happen or can help you do that or give you that seal of, okay, well, I'm sitting in this caliber of artist mm. now because I have had a prize final listing. Yeah. Um, we humans, we're such interesting, complex oh, we I tell you, I know. And then you put artists on top of being human and oh you my think, God, holy yeah. shit, we're all basket cases, you know. <laughs> oh, I mean, my goodness. overthink and, you know, all of that um, and send ourselves the wrong messages. And I think you're right. I, I don't – it's really interesting. And, I mean, I've actually had some fantastic success with art prizes around the country. So I really need to celebrate that and look at that. I mean, I've won a landscape prize in South Australia. I've been shortlisted in some really big um, landscape prizes around the country. But it's funny. I just, I don't know what it is about Sydney uh, that I want to get into. Anyway, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm being honest when I say that. And I think it's something that I probably shouldn't focus on as much and really just focus on what I am doing and what I'm doing well and and just keep doing that really yeah um, because you've even ticked off, you've ticked off one of those boxes that a lot of artists I would say hold close and that's you exhibited in New York in 2005 so you oh, know no, that was a crazy year yeah tell us about that oh, that year was mental and in such a good way I mean it was I just got married I it was before children so 
I was, you know, painting, I was teaching still, you know, the whole time I've been an art teacher. So, you know, this is important to know that I've been painting professionally now for 20 years, but I've been teaching art for 20 years as well. So I wear those two hats equally, almost one job is just as important as the other. And, you know, I love sharing my passion with my students. I'm a passionate art teacher. And then I practice what I'm preaching. So I think I'm a better painter because I'm teaching and vice versa. That's sort of how I've always lived. And I don't know how I did it. I have an enormous amount of energy but for, for doing what I love. But I must admit, when I look back, I think, holy shit, how did I, how did I teach full time and do two solos, go to New York, you know, and exhibit in Adelaide and Sydney all in one year? I don't, I don't. Oh I understand God. how I did it. But I did it. I would teach all day. I'd paint at night and on weekends. There is no, I don't do that anymore. I'm an absolute baby. I, I go to bed really early now. I paint during the day and I'm hopeless at night. But um, when I was teaching that year, I was uh, working, you know, just in looking at local galleries and I was ex- exhibiting in Adelaide and then something came up for this all-Australian uh, art exhibition you had to enter in New York. Well, you know, that is that was just an absolute dream. And I thought, look, I'll, just, I'll give it a go. And I'd been working on a collection of paintings based on this beautiful old property that I'd found out in Brossa Valley. And I documented all the old ruins. And they were quite abstract paintings, actually, but very Australian in their palette and texture. And I thought, I'll just enter a few of those and see whether whether they like it. 10 Australians were chosen to represent our country, I suppose, and there was a gallery in Soho putting on this show and and they chose my work, which was just crazy. And so there was no way I wasn't going to go over there for the opening. So my husband and I went over. We had two incredible weeks in that city that just pretty much changed my life. It had such an impact on me and I didn't sell anything, but I had a wonderful time and I can say it was a real highlight for me just to think, wow, I can do this. I can put my work, you know, in a gallery overseas or um, be be recognised amongst other Australians. We had so much fun. I met some other artists. Not everyone went over for it, but um, yeah. but we, we did. And we had a blast. And I came back and I literally painted New York for two years. I just couldn't get it out of my system. I was about and, to ask you, yeah, mm. how did it change you? Because you paint such a beautiful Australian landscapes here, right? So that's yeah, just your I do connection. Now. Yeah, so very, seems... very connected. And yeah. I suppose my work uh, really reflects where I am at the time. I've always been inspired by my travel. I lived in London for a couple of years when I first finished um, university and, and I went and taught art over there and painted around Europe. I mean, that was just wonderful, you know, in my 20s, having a ball, travelling the world as you do. Um, and everywhere I went, I painted. So where, where, whether I'm up the hill in my backyard or whether I'm in New York, I'm always responding to that environment. So New York just re- literally blew me away. The the busy hustle, bustle, colour, light, atmosphere by night. I did a lot of urban landscapes by day. And it was the energy of that city that just, you know, anyone who's been there will be agreeing with me. There is something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh Both my husband and I just loved it. So I came back and I, I started painting and I had a solo in Adelaide that, sold out within hours and then I started thinking about 
getting some representation interstate back then and so I did and I approached a gallery in Sydney and she had had a, li a little bit of my work there just just sort of to test the waters and then she saw my New York collection she said I think we need this show so I did a solo over there and that was just one of the highlights of my career really that year then I had kids <laughs> changed a little bit after that the pace um, changes but I, still, <laughs> but I was still prolific I've always painted Willie I've never like I don't know I'm not great when I'm not painting I'm a bit irritable I need I'm always looking for the next project you ask my husband I'm a complete pain in the ass when I'm not painting and he's, he's like would you just get out into that studio because you're being a pain in the ass and I'm Sarah like, yes. back to the studio back, back to the to studio, the studio. <laughs> um, and he's right and I was I I've oh, when I had my babies I loved being a mum and I you know God bless them. I absolutely adore them. But I wasn't that, that new mum that would sort of be happy being at home the whole time. And I had my studio in my backyard. So I was I was able to keep working and producing. And in fact, both of my babies came to opening nights in my tummy oh, of my solo. Yeah, oh. so you know, I've never stopped painting. I've always been able to juggle the teaching and the painting and the parenting and the because I love it, I, you know, I feel so lucky to do what I love. But don't get me wrong; I've worked, I've worked my guts out. You um, have worked your tail. I off. have worked really hard, you know, and I've established now my own art school here in Adelaide, teaching adults, and yeah, an absolute joy. I have worked hard to be where I am. I suppose I've done a lot when I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And I'm I'm glad you touched on the art school because I want to ask you. So you have a face to you. There are multiple components to your mm -hmm. creative life you have your artis artistic practice where you paint mm -hmm. with oils and a palette knife you then yeah. have an online art education uh, program and yeah. then you have your face-to-face -face <laughs> art school at what points did you decide to do the learn how to paint online course and mm. the face-to-face -face right. your own art school what, how did that come into the picture Okay, well, interestingly, the online art classes really only happened during COVID. And I think I'd been talking about doing some online um, stuff before COVID and people had said to me, you're really good, you know, in front of the camera and you present so well. Why aren't you doing this online? And at that stage it was like, well, with all my spare time, you know, how on earth am I going to do that? <laughs> and then COVID happened and my face-to-face -face art school closed for four months. So I started my face-to-face -face art school. Face-to-face -face is such a new term, isn't it? It's so funny. Yeah, I know, right? I say that. <laughs> um, but when I had my son, I resigned from the school I was teaching art at and I decided that chapter was closed. I was painting. I was a new mum and I just thought I, I want to start just doing a little bit of teaching here and there. So I, there was a real need for a school in Adelaide that was non-credited. So you didn't get the diploma or the certificate, but you get a really good education in a really lovely, supportive, creative community. So long story short, I found this fantastic old stables down 10 minutes from my house. I rented that. I think I started with eight students um, one day a week. My mum looked after my baby and I found you know, that I really enjoyed that contact with, with people again and teaching adults was very different to teaching teenagers, which is where I'd come from. 
14 years later, my school has grown slowly and gradually, but I now have 100 students enrolled oh. every term. Oh, my God, and amazing. I know. And I'm really proud of the community that it is. I've got two wonderful teachers who now work with me. I've stepped back a little bit with my contact time because my art practice has grown and is continuing to grow. So I'm at the easel more and more than I am down in the classroom. However, I am it, I am very much... You know, I it's my school. It's, it's I, I sort of really am very hands-on about the community and the philosophy of it being a welcoming, supportive, safe environment for adults to come and learn because, I mean, you know what it's like as an adult when you decide to take up a new hobby. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's petrifying. Um, when like yeah. I think that's a really great point because I remember someone saying to me, as an adult, when was the last time you learnt a new skill or a new hobby? And I don't think we do very often. I don't think we... No, because we're scared. We're scared yeah. of making a mistake, Yeah, actually. And I'm so privileged to be able to work with adults that trust me to help bring out their creativity. It's quite exposing, you know. Um, I've got students who are absolute beginners that literally have never picked up a brush in their life. <laughs> and and then I've got some really experienced, fabulous painters who I'm now mentoring and now they're selling their own work. So I've got everyone in between and, and they come to my school for all different reasons. You know, there's a lot of therapy that goes on. I mean, I'm I'm not just teaching them how to paint. I'm listening to them. I'm giving them space. I'm giving them time. I'm giving them confidence. I, I feel really privileged to be in that role. And I, and I, I am very lucky and I, I love it. Um, but I, I've just over the last few years, particularly, I've got teenagers, they need me, I need to save a little bit of emotional energy mm. for for that. Because I tell you, you do give a lot when you are teaching art or any subject, but it is such a vulnerable subject I suppose um, and and it's right and it, it it takes energy to hold the space for someone else yeah even if yes, you're I not come home yeah oof, exhausted yeah in a good way but I got to hold a little bit of my energy for me and my practice and so I'm now one day a week down at the school I'm four days in the studio and I love that teaching day I absolutely love it but during COVID when they told me right we're going to shut this school even though it's, you know, I just followed obviously all the all the state the regulations and yeah. I, I had a I had a moment where I felt sorry for myself. I probably drank a few glasses of red wine and went, <laughs> "Okay, Sarah, get off your butt." And um, within two weeks, I'd filmed, I'd written and filmed, produced two online courses: one for beginners, one for uh, more ex- experienced painters. I'd got them up online. I'd got a new a guy to build me a new website, and I was out there selling packages all over the country and I just did that and that was COVID for me you know it wasn't a bad thing for me and I feel sad for the people that you know had had struggles but I I suppose I made it work for me in in that way so that that that's when that happened yeah I did and I'm not one to sit on my butt you know I I, as I said I like I like a project and so that was when the online classes happened so and I was in the studio every every day during COVID, and and COVID gave me time to really develop those online classes and do something I've always talked about but never had time to do. So, yeah, that's sort of that's how that all came about. So, yeah, I'm very lucky. How has Instagram impacted your artistic life? Oh, hugely, 
you know, I've been discovered by galleries through Instagram and, and by people who collect my work and I've made some really good friends actually. You know, I've got some beautiful artist friends who I met on Instagram just by DMing and chatting and commenting and then you then you go, oh, hey, you know, and you have a conversation and then you, you feel like you've got a community out there. I've never met some of them face-to-face, but I feel like I know them. I, I think there's something about that. It's a wonderful visual platform for artists, designers and all sorts. And as much as I've been discovered by a lot of people through Instagram and I've sold lots of work and, you know, people have started to follow me and commission me, I am a little bit old-fashioned in the way that I still really value my gallery relationships mm. and I I need my galleries still. You know, my galleries give me an, another audience and I know I can sell on my own and I have and I do, but I really love that relationship with the gallery and I put my trust in them and they work really hard for me. Yeah. And those galleries found me on Instagram. So, you know. Yeah, um, nice. I think it's really really changed my exposure you know I suppose and I'm grateful for that. Now this might be asking you to cast your mind back a little bit but do you remember do you you remember the first piece you sold? You know I actually do and it's funny I had a wonderful art department at my high school and uh, my art teachers you know are now my friends you know I still am in contact with them Um, I was always in the art room every recess lunch. And in year 12, I was there on weekends. When Ock Health and Safety didn't exist, we would have a a key and they would leave a key in a hiding spot and I'd go in on a Sunday and paint uh, with no teacher supervision and and, and solvents and, you know, toxic materials and no teacher, you know, that wouldn't happen today. But the groundsman at the school um, who was this lovely guy? He wasn't creepy at all, but he'd pop his <laughs> pop his head in and look at the work we were doing. And and often I'd be in there with a couple of Year Twelves, and he was really paying attention to this one project. And it was one of my major pieces in Year Twelve. It was a large, huge pastel drawing of an urban landscape, and um, he showed a lot of interest in it. And then when it came to our big Year Twelve art exhibition, he asked if he could buy it, and so I sold that to him and I think oh. I sold it for, I don't know, maybe $250 or something. And it, I was I was so chuffed that he he really did love it. And I thought, well, and I still think this as a, as a painter that's been selling for a long time, if someone loves my work that much and it brings them that much joy, I'm so happy for them to have it. I think yeah. that's such a rewarding thing about my job is the response from the audience. When I have someone come up and see a painting and have an emotional connection with it for various reasons, I just think, wow, isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to do and to be able to give someone that joy on their wall? So, yeah, that was my first piece. That's a great story. I love it. The groundskeeper from your high school. Yeah. (laughs) I remember him so well. He was so lovely. Oh, nice. So that was my first. And that gave me the confidence to think that, I, yeah, I can do this, you know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's that external validation. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, When did you start calling yourself an artist? Oh, look, that's an interesting one because I think, as a young girl, I always wanted to be able to call myself an artist. I always wanted to be an artist from quite a young age. And maybe, 
look, maybe when people ask, what do you do? I say, well, I've got two jobs. You know, I'm an art teacher and I'm an artist. I say that now confidently. But maybe when I had my first sort of solo show in a commercial gallery and I sold work and I, I then thought, yeah, I actually now can do this and set the ball rolling and maybe... Maybe I called myself a proper artist then, but I don't know. I think as a young girl I had this romantic idea that I was always going to be an artist and that I always wanted to be called one. <laughs> There's a book by Seth Godin and it's called, mm. um, oh, I think it's called The Practice. I've just finished reading it. And he talks about this theory of the, identi- the habit of identity and mm-hmm. it's much easier if you have always believed yourself to be something to, oh God, I believe in that to, so to, much. To have be to be that person. So if you if you have always thought you were going to be a horse rider and you mm. are then committed to the work and you will ride the horses and you become an mm. adult who rides horses. And like you have said with being an artist, it's not you have always wanted to be an artist, you've committed to the work, you've loved it. It's not that it's an easier path, it's no. that you you have this identity so the commitment of work required to fulfill Mm. that identity just comes very Mm. naturally to you yeah I I believe in that and I think I really agree with with that I'm going to read that book if you could change one thing about the art industry what would it be what would it be well I really hope that the art industry continues to be accessible to lot to everyone. I think I remember as a young artist going around and, you know, that back then we were carrying our portfolio under our arm, you know, pounding the pavement and asking these gallery directors to look at our work for them to tell us go away and get better and then come back, you know. I, I think I was nervous about that and I sometimes was hesitant to walk into a gallery. I think a lot of people feel that it's a bit intimidating. Now, hopefully that's changing or has changed and that art is more accessible to everyone out there in the community and it's not just um yeah, it's not just a luxury item or it's not just something that if you have a lot of money, you can have art. I think everyone should have art, you know. Mm. It doesn't matter. I love collecting other people's work and, I, um, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive work. I just surround our lives with with art and hopefully I've given my kids what I call a visual education by yeah. exposing them to this, you know. My husband's an architect, Um you know, and I'm an artist, they've grown up in a pretty creative um, household. And I want the art industry to allow people to have access to it. Continue to have access. Yeah. What do you do to get out of a creative funk? Well, I can honestly say now, because I am doing so much, I very rarely have one. I must admit, my problem is I've got way too many ideas and not maybe not enough time or I'm in a hurry to do too much and I have to slow down and go hang on Sarah just focus on this collection get that done you know don't get too sidetracked if I'm struggling with focus I look I'm always out walking nature is probably where I feel my best apart from being in my studio I love going up the hill and I do a lot of hiking and um, when I'm out in nature I feel completely connected and uh, it levels me and, and I love it. I'd, I'd rather sometimes go and talk to my trees than people. 
know, <laughs> I love, I just love being out there and that helps clear my head. If I was stuck, uh, I read books. I look at a lot of other artists' books, but I'm pretty lucky in that I've, I've got a lot of drive. And even if I'm not painting, I'm doing something that's going to get me towards my, you know, doing something creative, I suppose. Yeah. How do you know when a piece is done? Oh, my gut usually tells me when to walk away. I often stand at my kitchen bench. My studio is opposite sort of the, the main part of my house and my easel faces the kitchen bench. So if I'm at the kitchen bench having a cuppa or talking to the kids, I can see the work on my easel and often standing that far away from it, I go, oh, now I know what I need to do to it, you know. So I'll leave it for a while and then I'll come back the next day because I've had space. I always need to give it space and time. Often I, you know, I've turned a painting around and faced the wall for 12 months and not even looked at it if it's really challenged me and then I'll come back with a fresh pair of eyes. But generally I know my husband's pretty good at telling me when to stop actually. He's got an amazing eye. He is a really good drawer, much better drawer than I am, I think. And he will come out and say, stop, that is amazing. Stop, Sarah, don't touch it, don't touch it. And I'm like, really? Step away from the canvas, Step away Sarah. Step canvas, leave it. Get the hell out of here now before you ruin it. He's really good at that. He's also really good at telling me, I, I sort of can tell by his body language or facial expression when it's not my best work. I don't know, he's got some gift. The painting he loves the most in a collection is always the first one to sell. And I don't know what it is. He's Good got eye. a real, real eye, yep. He knows my best work. I trust yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. And who's your biggest fan? Oh, look, my family. I've got, you know, I've got such a lovely supportive clan. I'm really lucky. Um, my mum and dad have always let me be who I was going to be. Well, there was no stopping me. I'm, I'm pretty de- determined young thing. And um, they knew, that, you know, Sarah's, they said to my art teacher at school, she's going to do this, so let's just help get her there. So that, they've always been, you know, I go there and the articles from newspapers and magazines are stuck on the fridge still and it's so cute. Oh, and that's I just, so sweet. I just, oh, they're so proud of me. I just love them. My husband and my kids, obviously, are big fans. And I've got some really beautiful, very special, close girlfriends who are at every show and just celebrate all of my successes and are there when I'm not feeling great as well about things. And, yeah, I'm really I'm really lucky with my, with with my your... um, support network, yeah. yeah. And my students too, actually. Oh, and your students, yeah. yeah. They're, yes. Yeah, they, they're, they're like, wow, you know, we're so lucky you teach us how to do this. And I'm like, well, I feel lucky that I'm teaching you. So yeah. that's a nice relationship. It's nice when there's that mutual appreciation society. Yeah. <laughs> how do you deal that's with your it. inner critic? Uh, well, I think that can be so destructive, can't it? I try, you know, being self-critical can be really damaging. It can be good when you want to push yourself further, but I don't find it productive. So I like to question what I'm doing and if I'm doing my best, but I try not to compare myself too much. I think that's dangerous. I try, if I'm doubting, I'll, I'll just be like, well, don't look at what everyone else is doing. Just focus on what you're doing and yeah, I suppose trying not to compare. I also use a sounding board like my husband I was just talking about, you know, he's a good sounding board and he'll tell me. Um, he's pretty honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that helps my inner critic, yeah. 
And last question before we get on to the quick fire five. Okay. Where would you like to see your work take you over the next couple of years? Oh, well, look, I'm just going to keep making good paintings, hopefully. I'm going to keep pushing myself. I think like a good bottle of red wine, which I really enjoy, I get better every year. So, you know, my next show, my, you know, my last show is better than the one before that and so on. So I'm just going to keep painting and being the best painter I can be. But I would love, I, I love collaborating. Um, actually, I've just had some really great opportunities come my way recently. The universe is sort of throwing things my way and I'm, I've been involved with some new ventures and collaborations, which I, Ooh, I'm that's saying exciting. yes to. Yeah, it is, you know. I've got some new wallpaper that's just been launched, which I'm really excited about working with this wonderful wallpaper company. So I'm saying yes to a few more of those opportunities Ooh, now. What's, what's the name of the wallpaper company? Where can we check it out? Yeah, it's called Lux Walls and it's a Sydney company. And they invited me to be um, an artist in, well, use my work in their artist range. So and I'm, I think I'm one of the only landscape painters and I was really hesitant. I've never made reproductions of my work because, as you know, it's really highly textured mm. palette knife. I'm thinking, how, how does that translate massive scale on a wall? But, wow, week, and I must admit I'm so glad I said yes because they are really exciting, big, and they've captured the texture. They're massive files, you know. Um, so that, that's been quite good. I, you know, I'm saying yes to a few things. I love travelling. Obviously, that inspires my painting. And even doing a residency in Australia somewhere. It doesn't have to be overseas, but I'm, I'm looking maybe in the next couple of years of, of putting myself out and there a for residency. a residency. Yep. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And then maybe getting a little bit more visib- you know, visibility in some of the, the bigger galleries, you know, in the other states. So, yep. yeah. I'm Big couple of years coming going. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no stopping me. I'm, no. I'm busy, I'm happy, and um, I'm... I've got the drive and the passion for it. So, I'm yeah, things are really exciting. I feel like it's a really good time for me, actually. That's great. Mm. Okay, quick fire five. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's your star sign? I'm a Cancerian. Oh, so, so am I. So oh, am I. Yeah, yes. such a Cancerian. Yeah. So am I. I'm such a homebody. I'm such a so softie. Oh, my God. Yeah, make my nest and stay there. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Okay. There you go. That's why I get along well with you. I know. I was thinking that. <laughs> um, last book that you read or show that you streamed? Oh, I have just finished Son of the Brush by Tim Olson. It is so good. Um, I actually was compelled to write to him and say how much I enjoyed it. Raw, honest, um, and insightful. Oh, just so good. Read Ooh, it. Oh, okay. I need Wonderful. to read that one. Yeah, yeah. Son of the Brush, Tim okay. Olson. Mm. Favorite snack? Smith's cheese and onion chips, to be specific. <laughs> Anything salty, I love chips, but cheese and onion, to be really specific, by Smith's, my favourite. Band you played to death in your 20s? Early 20s was London days. Oasis was happening a lot in my share house. Um, That just brings back so many memories. 
Yeah, Oasis. Back, Oasis. Um, you know, Jamiroquai. You know, oh, I those. love Jamiroquai. Yeah. I saw him play live at the Brisbane. Oh, my God, like... how good. <laughs> yes. Actually, my friends in London lived in the next house in this little muse in London and there was a party next door. This was before they were massively famous. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so they got to meet him. I was very jealous. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um, and last question, first, last or never on the dance floor? Oh, my God. Always first and always last to leave. I love dancing. I, mean, I dance when I paint. I'm obsessed with it. It's just a big part of my life. So oh, I love it. Yeah, I'll be the first Don and the last to, to leave is my answer. <laughs> Sarah McDonald, thank you so much on joining us for Interview with an Artist. It has been an absolute oh, pleasure. Willie, thank you so much for having me. It's just been wonderful talking to you. Mm-hmm. 